listening to the Uloft podcast presented by United IUP, a community of college students and young adults in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who are dedicated to unite with each other and Christ to change the world around us. We hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world. Welcome back to the ULOF podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us today to continue conversation um, about what we talked about on Unite or, uh, you know, if you don't know what we talked about on Unite yet at United on every Tuesday, then you can go back to our YouTube and check that out. Check out United IUP on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, But this is a podcast where we want to continue a conversation that was started uh, with a talk at United. Um, and it's kind of serves as, uh, a U group, an online U group, one of our small groups kind of things, uh, for people who are listening. So we thank you guys for being here with us today. I'm your host, Kendall Kersey, and I've got with me, uh, the dove chocolate voice, Michael. Yes, Michael, let us have it. Hey, what's up, everybody? So happy to be here again. Yes, his. Have y'all ever had Dove chocolates, right? It's like so Dove, smooth. The Dove chocolate is like the smoothest chocolate it's there the is. Smoothest and silkiest. Well, except for like um, Reese's cups that were in your pocket that you forgot were in your <laughs> okay. pocket. Those are a little bit So smoother. here we go. Uh, Michael and the Melted so Reese. I'm, yeah, here we go. I'm Kendall Kersey, your host. <laughs> and with me, I've got Michael, the Melted Reese's voiced <laughs> man, <laughs> on the couch with That's us. That's good. So. <laughs> These nicknames keep getting better and I hope so. One day, I hope so. Um, And then I've got uh, the boy wonder himself, Caleb Fugate. What's happening, everyone? What is happening? Hey, last night, did someone say like that you were lying that you're 26? Did someone tell me that or did I hear over here that? Yeah, someone, because I don't look like I'm 26. I look like I'm 18 for the most part. So people often um, mix that up and college students think I'm a college student and therefore divulge all of their things. Especially when you shave, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't really grow much anyway, so it's like I shave not often. (laughs) Awesome. And then with us, the voice of the ladies, the one with the Disney princess hair, it is Julia Buggy. Glad to be here. Mm. Me and my hair, my Disney princess hair. (laughs) Uh, Man, we are so glad to be with you guys today and so glad that you joined us. Today, we are continuing the conversation of surrendering our sexuality. So we are in uh, week four, I think it is, of our Relationship Goals series. Um, We've got two weeks left, but for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be discussing surrendering our sexuality. Uh, We're going to be talking about, you know, um, sexual, biblical sexual truth. Um, uh, We're going to be talking, exposing lies that the culture has has manipulated us with or that we've been told. Um, And we're going to be exposing those so that we can have a proper biblical context of what sex should look like. Uh, last night, we talked about a couple of different things at United. Uh, we talked that, um, I'm saying last night, but you're not hearing this uh, on a Wednesday. So if I say that again, it was because we're filming this or recording this on Wednesday. So anyways, at the last United, uh, we discussed how, um, how the culture has perverted sex, how it has completely, um, the perversion of sex has silently killed some people's destinies. Um, or silently killing a lot of people's destinies. And uh, man, it was a great night, uh, a great night of God really revealing some truth. And we just want to continue that here today. So we're going to go and open up the uh, book that we've been going through with uh, Michael Todd, Relationship Goals. Shout out, Michael Todd. 
maybe he listens to us. He probably doesn't, but it would be really awesome if he did. Um, anyways, by the end of this, he might tune in at some point. By the end, yeah, <laughs> maybe at some point, maybe he can. You know, it comes up on his YouTube because we're like taking his uh, title, so maybe it comes up on his YouTube. He's like, yeah. who are these guys? He'll see us in a copyright infringement. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, I hope not. <laughs> No, no, no. We haven't been word for word. We're good. I, I went through that in college. We'd, I know exactly what you're not supposed to do to plagiarize people. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, not really. But anyways, uh, so we're going to go to our discussion group that we've been going over with our U groups. And um, man, there, it's a great question right out of the gate. Is this, I'm open up to anybody uh, here, is that did you grow up thinking that sex was a beautiful gift from God or a dirty, secretive thing? And where did those ideas come from? So was sex a beautiful gift from God or a dirty, secretive thing? And where did those ideas specifically come from? Mm. Well, for me, I grew (laughs) up thinking the latter of the two, that it was a dirty little secret and it was bad. And kind of like what you were saying, Kendall, at the Unite, that if any questions were to be asked about it, it was like, no, 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 not a word, child. Just don't do it for your sake. Just don't. Um, yeah, I, I grew up with that mentality almost entirely and not that it was necessarily anybody's fault, but I was never explained. Um, I was never given an explanation as to God's heart behind the design of sex and sex in marriage and why it was not a good idea outside of it. I just knew like black and white, Hey, this is bad. It's only good here. But I, I never got a sense of, of why. For me, I think I got like mixed messages going up about it. Um, On the one hand, it was like, you know, people would say like, it's a beautiful thing and it's like wonderful if you're married, but if you're not married, sucks to suck. It was basically the message, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Like, don't do it. Sucks to suck. It's great if you're married. So you're just going to have to deal with it. So it's like, it's beautiful in the right context. That was certainly true, but um, like just kind of keep your mouth shut about Mm -hmm. it otherwise Mm -hmm. um, until you get to the point where you're married and then you can talk about it again. And it's like, well, how's that helpful whatsoever to someone who's, you know, 15, 16, 17, who's trying to figure all this stuff out. It's like, that's not helpful whatsoever. So yeah. Yeah. I would say that my view of it was sort of mixed also, only it was kind of like the dirty secret if the partners knew that they were in a casual relationship and that they, maybe they weren't monogamous or they didn't plan on being married or they didn't plan on having a long-term relationship. I didn't have a biblical view of it because I I remember thinking that if a boyfriend and a girlfriend are in like a long-term monogamous relationship, then it fell into the beautiful category. Mm. Um, Hmm. My biggest, I guess the biggest hole in my worldview on this issue was in thinking that sex would automatically equal emotions for most people. And I found out that that wasn't true. Mm. And that was something that kind of took me off guard. And then once I learned that, I swung myself into the area of casual relationships more so than mm-hmm. pursuing the emotions and the monogamy. And I just thought that that's the way that everybody else was doing it because mm-hmm. that's what I had encountered. And so I was very happy when I found Christ and the Christian worldview because it gave me hope that there is still the context wherein sex can be like a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. Um, and that it's not completely tied to the culture. Mm -hmm. The more the culture was deteriorating, like people were just sort of following along with the culture like sheep. I remember thinking, well, 
is it going to be possible to find someone who views sex as not a dirty and secret thing, mm-hmm. as not something that they could just do with anyone, one night stand, however? Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of my personal reflections on it, I would say. Hmm. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I think you possibly have a slightly different perspective than the rest of us on that. And so I'm appreciative of that. For me, um, I grew up in the middle, like the, or not even the middle, the apex of like purity culture. Um, whereas uh, I think Nick actually mentioned it a couple weeks ago with the uh, Kiss Dating Goodbye book. Oh my gosh. Like that book, like my uncle, uh, he was like, telling my mom you have to get Kindle to read this and this was before like I ever dated this was like I was 13 14 you know and um didn't even know like what dating was and I was supposed to read it and so I did just to like yeah whatever I read it okay um and uh the crazy thing is is like I've actually heard other podcasts um like of deconstruction podcasts and things like this about people that grew up in the purity culture Mm -hmm who have swung the other way completely because they were forced so much to hide everything about mm-hmm. their sexuality, right. to yeah. hide everything about their thoughts, to hide everything about how, how they viewed sexuality or how they viewed sex in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they were forced to hide everything, um, they, uh, Here's the deal. When the enemy gets us to be able to hide certain things, we start to do even worse things. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, oh, yeah. you know, if we start to hide things, then we're just going to continue to find other things to hide. For sure. And um, I, a little bit more on that in just a moment. But I believe that the purity culture, its intent was okay. Mm-hmm. Like its intent was good. Like, hey, let's tell everybody that they got to wait and they, need, they should wait. And mm-hmm. just, hey, if you need to get married early, well, as long as you're 18, just get married and it's okay and you'll be fine. Like their intent <laughs> huh? was great. Oh. Woof. But their, <laughs> their big oof. Their their follow through was terrible. Like their follow through uh it didn't make much sense. Like there wasn't enough content, enough truth, I feel like, um, or enough love. Let me say that. There wasn't enough love behind it to really speak that over uh our generation essentially. Um, um and especially mine and if people are a little bit a little bit older than me. And there's some people who came of that out of that great, but from what I've heard, the people that I know purity culture like shamed them shame 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 oh yeah for sure and when you are stuck in shame you are going to hide things even more and so i was listening to um robert morris pastor robert morris he pastors gateway he's a great teacher like absolutely amazing teacher and um he actually uh when he was a pastor maybe his first year second year or whatever um, he had multiple affairs and like was telling a story one time about that and, and, uh, was talking about secret sin. And he said, what happens is whenever you practice, um, secret sex in high school or in college, whenever you practice secret sex, then you have an appetite for secret sex. Mm-hmm. And so then when you get into your marriage, you still have an appetite for secret sex. So it should be this thing that's beautiful, that's out in the open, that's like, hey, this is who we are. This is how God made us. We're married. It's beautiful. This is what we're going to do. But he said the problem is couples that he talks to that he restores or that that he helps restore and and, and helps counsel, he finds out that one of them had this appetite for secret sex and couldn't get that in the marriage. And even though their Mm -hmm. marriage sex life was great or beautiful, it was missing something because they had developed an appetite that couldn't be fulfilled in yeah. marriage. And so when I heard that, 
it connected with me quite a bit um, because I was thinking about all the secrecy that was in my life Mm -hmm. um, up through high school, through college, and even in my marriage, like the secrecy that had that had continued across the board. And it was because, again, and I said this when I told my story uh, at United, is that because I was so terrified to tell anybody what I was going through or what I was experiencing or what I was exposed to, because I was so terrified of that shame, I hid it. And that developed this secrecy in me. Um, And so, yeah, like I think that it's great that we get told, hey, don't have sex before you're married. Because the Bible says, mm-hmm. but there's so much more right. to that, yeah. you know. Ironically, so I I grew up on the tail end of the purity culture, um, being I'm what seven years younger than yeah. you, give or take. Yeah. Um, and it's what's so fascinating is like that that whole culture acted as though there weren't like applicable things within the Bible within Scripture to talk about how not to do these things well. Mm-hmm. It's like the the Scripture talks. Like money's at the top, talks money about the most, and then like sex is next. Like we have an entire book, yeah, devoted to sex. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, Song of where, Solomon, just yeah, so you where, know. Where like God sets the mood, the book and, of like, innuendos, closes the curtains and sets on the music, mm-hmm. and like uh, or or Corinthians, which like this uh, our book that we're working through talks about Corinthians a lot. It's like there's a lot of wild things going on in there. Like yeah, oh, yeah. people sleeping with their mother in laws. It's like. I think generally speaking, people know that's not a good idea, but obviously it was happening. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's like, and Paul gives pretty good examples, but like the church, even though the Bible is chock full of positive ways to talk about this and work mm-hmm. through these things, we, for some reason have just like discarded them wholesale and said, we don't just don't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think that's what happens when you get to the other side of it. Michael, what you were talking about is it actually leads us into our other question is that, you know, you had this view of if you had a long-term loving relationship, then it's okay. Even if you're boyfriend and girlfriend, like that's fine. You, you love each other and it's okay. And I remember actually using that. It was ridiculous when I'm 15 and I think that I have a long-term loving relationship. Um, <laughs> but I remember using that as like, honestly, with my girlfriend, when um, you know I gave away my virginity, I was like, well, we're going to get married anyways. Right. I'm 15, idiot. So like, Aww. it's so dumb. But I'm, I justified that. I was like, well, we're going to get married anyways. Not that big of a deal. We've been together for a year. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine, right? Um, and so one of the questions that, that is in this book that, that I would love to ask is, what excuses have you, have you used? I just told one of mine. So what excuses have you used or have you heard other Christians use to justify sex outside of marriage? Mm. Mm. That it's a temptation for everybody and that there's really, uh, I mean, I've used this myself and heard from other people. It's just like, you you have that conversation where it's like, well, yeah, we all have this drive. Like it was part of our design and yeah, we know it's perverted and and it's messed up, but like, you know what? There's really no way to escape it until, until you do get married and you have that freedom to do it. So therefore just kind of do the best you can and shrug your shoulders and engaging it one time less than you did the day or week before yeah. just yeah. like that that thought of well every single human goes through this regardless of whether it's talked about openly or not and it can't be stopped completely therefore it's somewhat justified not saying it is biblically but like just as far as an excuse yeah sorry michael i stole your thunder i saw no, you no, clear no. your throat and i started talking i was like no i took from the dub chocolate so go ahead clear his throat or see him clear his throat 
I, I saw in my peripherals. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, the peripherals. It's totally fine. What I used to think was I could get to know someone in two weeks. I could know pretty much everything I needed to know about them to determine whether or not I wanted a long-term relationship with the person. And if I did, then I would say that my good intentions of pursuing a long-term relationship justified sex right, right after meeting yeah. them. That doesn't work. And it doesn't work because obviously it doesn't work because people show you their best face and they can do that for quite a long time. Here's something that I think is interesting that you were saying last night, Kendall. I think this kind of ties in with this idea that we're talking about. You had talked about how when people have a sexual encounter with each other, they leave a part of themselves behind with the other person. And I was struck by how many people act as if that's not true, as if they don't believe that. And it's not until they start to see little pieces of themselves go missing and, you know, be spread out among other people that they then they see the damage that that brings them and the appetites that that kindles inside of them that it uh, that then they start to see the why behind saving yourself for marriage. And it is a tricky issue, you know, because there's so many ways to rationalize sex before marriage because we in fact need to have sex or we can't continue the species. It's like, it's almost like food addiction in a way, right? Because mm -hmm. you have to eat. You can't just stop eating. In the context of marriage, sex is good and, and designed by God. And so it's, it becomes so easy to rationalize it because of the, the core goodness of it. It's easy to build off little branches of fake goodness, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And that's just oh, yeah. kind of what comes to my mind when you guys speak about those things. I had two that came to my mind. One of them's like theological and the other one's just kind of curse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like from a theological sense, like the, the scriptures talk about um, like the point of like this is the one fleshness, right? That the scriptures talk about when a, a husband and wife like come and become one flesh when you do weddings and your marital vows, like you talk about that all the time. And it's like, because that's so true. Like you are leaving part of your body because you have become one flesh with another person, right? Like that, that was by purpose and design. And yet, um, how many one flesh people have I become with at this point in uh -huh. my life? It's like, it's a lot of one fleshness that really isn't so much one flesh anymore. Like right. that's challenging. Um, and the other thing, the, honestly, Part of my struggle in life, it's like for a while I would come up with justifications, but I got so good at hiding things that I just didn't even come up with justifications anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. I just didn't give a rip. I was just like, right. I'll do this and I don't care. Exactly. Like there was no, and it's like, you know, I'm studying, I'm planning on becoming a pastor. I'm studying to be a pastor. And it's like, I couldn't give a rip about this portion of my life. It's like, I hit it and came up with justification so long. But like when you're in hiding for so long, your brain just kind of stops caring about creating justifications yeah. yeah like that you at one point where you felt guilt you no longer feel guilt yeah yeah um and it's like it really takes a work of the holy spirit to start reminding you again like you're hurting yourself yeah absolutely you're fooling yourself and you're believing it as a wise poet once said. yeah yeah exactly you you are you're hardening your heart in such a way that you completely detach yourself right yeah from um the reality of what is going on because here's the thing now, I grew up with a Christian worldview, but I have a feeling um, because we are all created with the desire for God, whether we know it or not. I have a feeling, a hunch, that even if I did not grow up with a Christian worldview and the same things happened in my life and I continued to pursue sexual relationships, um, you know, like I did previously or like I did now in my life now, if we're in an alternate universe, essentially. Um, I would still 
feel empty. Like I, there would still be some sort of emptiness, even if I didn't have a Christian worldview, because I wouldn't be indulging in sex in the way that it was originally created. Mm. Just like anybody with anything in this life, when they don't feel fulfilled by their job or they don't feel fulfilled by their status, their identity, their next big purchase or their friend or their spouse or their you know, school, um, when they don't feel fulfilled with that, it's because really they're trying to fill a hole that was meant to uh, be filled with knowing your worth in Christ yeah. or through Christ. And so I think that even if, um, you know, even if I didn't have a Christian worldview, I would still have this emptiness inside of me and I would do everything I could to turn that off <laughs> and to just forget it and to be glazed eyes or glazed heart and hardened yeah. heart and just like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. And I think that that's what we see a lot with not just young adults, but with a lot of people, but especially on like college campuses, especially um, when the opportunities are everywhere um, to just continue to harden your heart. And I feel like there, because I've experienced this in my own life, I feel like every, every sexual partner takes away from you, mm-hmm. but every sexual partner also gives to you. And I feel like the things that they give to you cover up your softened heart. Like they cover up, there are these layers and layers and layers and layers on top of your soul, like your heart, your soul, right? And these layers have got to be peeled back at some point by the Holy Spirit, by the work of the Holy Spirit, to be able to feel, not that, well, to be able to feel that conviction again of like, I'm missing something. Even if they don't know what to say that it's conviction, just to say, I'm missing out on something and I don't know what that is. And this is a crazy thing, right? It doesn't even require, it doesn't even require a physical sexual partner. It can also come from pornography as well, mm-hmm. which is why that is such a, an insane uh, can be such an insane addiction yeah. is because there's a numbness there that is trying to fill a void. And that void can only, again, be f- fulfilled by proper relationship by God, by knowing who you are, what your worth is, your identity in Christ. And so, yeah, these layers and layers get piled on top and then we're so hardened that we don't realize it. And that's the excuse of like, oh, I don't feel anything. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I, of course I can have sex with whoever I want to because I don't feel anything. Right. What's, what, is it, what does it matter? I'm not you know? convicted by it. You may be, but I am not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Talk about the <laughs> ultimate Christian quote unquote excuse. Like, right. well, that's just not, I'm just not convicted it's just by not, it. It's just not. The <laughs> Holy Spirit isn't convicting me. It must be okay. It must be all right. Oh man. Maybe he's hardened your heart like Pharaoh. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> so anyways, um, but yeah, Michael, you had something. So there's also just the issue that sex with casual partners makes you feel pretty powerful and it's Hmm. pretty strongly associated with female empowerment is the ability to have casual sex the way that men are perceived to have casual sex and to break those stigmas that are associated with it that is strongly associated with third wave feminism and so i think there is there could be an addictive element to the power that is associated with seeing somebody who you're attracted to and becoming so good at the at the act of dating them and getting them to like you and then scoring and yeah and when you do that enough times you start to think you can do anything and then the the power high that you're floating around on helps blind you to all Mm -hmm. the damage that's being done that you were talking about with those layers being laid over your vulnerabilities Mm -hmm. and and that sort of thing yeah Mm mm-hmm 
It's like a fake desirability. You're so desired and so wanted and so... Um, yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting point, Michael. Yeah, I had this... Um, so I had this uh, analogy I didn't use yesterday, but mm-hmm. um, I wanted to. It just, didn't, it just didn't present itself. The time did not present itself. So my wife has gotten into uh, buying like uh, thrifted goods. Like she's all about the thrift store. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. It seems like every person that I have come to know, every female between the ages of (laughs) 22 and 32 in the last like month and a half that I have come to know Uh is doing something with thrifting. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Like all the clothes I buy now is like a dollar. Yeah, um, and I get I it mean, from yeah, Goodwill. I mean, yeah, I do that. At, like, <laughs> it's wonderful. I don't make a ton of money, so Goodwill's my friend. But in Walmart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Okay. So I think it's just just real quick. I actually read an article on it, and it's the sustainability factor of okay. like re, uh, all right, I'm a fan recycling. Of that, so yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Now back onto the Wait. analogy. So yeah. <laughs> um, maybe there's like this is a commercial for Goodwill yes. that somehow goes together. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. Donate <laughs> and buy from Goodwill. There you go. Um, <laughs> and also look up the eclectic find on Instagram and buy stuff uh, from stuff. my wife. So, anyways, uh, she's got into thrifting and reselling lately. And um, she, <laughs> I came home one day and she had these pair of shoes and I saw them. I was like, "What? What? Did you?" did you get those at Goodwill? And she's like, yeah, can you believe it? I got these for like 20 bucks. Like, first of all, 20 bucks at Goodwill is a lot of money. Yeah. Right. Um, no, it's And I was like, is. that's four insane. Yes, at, at least. least. <laughs> at least, right? And so they were these Nike Hirachis. Like, and I was like, first of all, I was like, that's, those are sick. If you know anything about shoes, like they were like, the Hirachi is a good shoe, right? Well, not only were they, Hira- were they were Hir- a Nike Hirachi shoe, they were also, um, they also, looked like they were a Burberry Nike Hirachi shoe. And so from afar, I was like, dang, that was at Goodwill. That's an insane find. I can't believe you saw that. You Mm. got that. And then I got a little closer to the shoe and was like, Ashley, I think these are fake. (laughs) No, there's no way. And I said, Ashley, the people who do this kind of work, like a Burberry Nike is like, these are people that you find like in the dungeons of New York that are making millions of dollars off of like custom shoe designs, right? You don't find Burberry Nikes <laughs> in, in Goodwill. Goodwill. So anyway, she, she's like, well, I'm going to try to sell them anyways. We'll see what happens. Sure enough, they got found out that they're fake. So she had sold them and had to have them sent back. Um, and uh, <laughs> the analogy is, Last night, I was thinking that we, um, as a culture, have settled for some fake Nike Burberry shoes. Absolutely. Like, we have this find, and we're like, I can't believe I just found this. This is awesome. This relationship is great. This is wonderful. And then, whenever we go to resell ourselves essentially Mm. into maybe another relationship not really selling ourselves okay but when we go into move on we realize all the fakeness that was in that previous relationship all of the um threads that were coming undone Mm -hmm. we realize all of the things that weren't exactly the way that we thought that they were at the beginning and, and usually the reason why that is, is because the great thing that we thought we found is wrapped up in these sexual desires of these sexual acts. Like mm-hmm. we think that this is what sex is supposed to look like. We break up, we move on. This is what sex is supposed to look like. We break up, move on. And then we don't ever know what the real thing was supposed to look like. Right. We don't ever get the real value of what it was supposed to be because 
I'm not speaking about this from experience. I'm speaking about this from, uh, from a biblical truth is that if, if we were to find a real pair of Burberry Nikes at Goodwill and they were really worth thousands of dollars, that's what the actual realness of sex should be is mm-hmm. like this amazing thing. I never thought I would have found this. This is incredible. There is no counterfeit for this. There is no, there's nothing that could take the place of this. This is amazing. One of a kind, right? Yeah. But really we've settled for the things that are fake, for the things that are counterfeit, for the things that are really just going to unravel once we wear them a little bit too much. Like that is, that is, I feel like is, um, is an analogy for how the culture has treated sex. So anyways, hey, we are glad that you've joined us today, uh, but we are going to have a episode two of this particular conversation. So um, make sure you tune in next week. We've got one more question that we want to go over. Um, and then we actually have a question that's going to be presented by Julia. She came up with a question hmm. that was great. So uh, yeah, we're going to answer a couple questions next episode. So be back in the Uloft next week. Other than that, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Uloft podcast presented by United IUP. If you would like to join our community, visit unitediup.com or follow us on Instagram at unitediup. United meets every Tuesday at 727 p.m. in the Indiana Theater located at 637 Philadelphia Street in Indiana, PA. Come live United.